Just in case our name Clit Talk wasn't a disclaimer enough, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So if you have any little ones in the room, now is the time to maybe put some earmuffs on or escort them out. Today on Clit Talk, we have a real-life psychotherapist who practices what she preaches in the world of non-monogamy. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today, yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk, talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Welcome to Clit Talk, the pleasure-positive podcast where badass women discuss everything from orgasms to gender harmony to the health benefits of masturbation, the sex that you wish you got, and then some. Greetings, Clitorati. Today on Clit Talk, we get to dive in with a psychotherapist who specializes in sexual health and harmony and helps couples navigate the wild terrain of modern-day polyamory. Her practice is inclusive of all sexual orientations, identities, traditional, kink, and everything in between. She holds a doctorate in marriage and family therapy. She is an EMDR practitioner, a Reiki master, and a smoking hot sister podcaster with Eat, Play, Sex. Please welcome to the studio, Dr. Kat Meyer. Fast and loose top five. Where are you from? Missouri. What do you call your pussy? Pussy. <laughs> if you could have sex with any figure throughout history, who would it be? I don't know why George Washington came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> don't even know. What turns you on? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, mangoes came to mind. I don't know. <laughs> I love what is the most taboo thing to you? Uh, wearing kitten masks. In a room full of other people wearing kitten masks and doing things. Mm, the yeah, things are the yeah. taboo. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I'm like, She's blushing like right now. I'm I know. Like, oh my God. I think a little bit too. I was like, the cat mask. Does cat mask thing actually happen? <laughs> well. <laughs> She's like, I don't puss and tell. <laughs> so... Polyamory is probably one of the most taboo topics we've done on this show, and okay. I honestly ha- I didn't really know what it was the the further I dug in, and I had my ideas of what I thought it was, and it's almost hilarious how ignorant I was to like <laughs> this lifestyle, and so I wanted to start with a dictionary definition, and it's the philosophy or state of being in love or romantically involved with more than one person at a time, mm-hmm. so. This is not polygamy, which is the practice of marrying multiple spouses, and it's not swinger lifestyle, which is, uh, you know, hooking up with other couples occasionally. And this is like a committed partnership between more than two people. And so for other listeners, (laughs) so that's about where I got in this (laughs) conversation. So for our listeners who are as confused as I am, um, can you unpack the world of polyamory for our listeners and how exactly you would define it. Yeah, and I would say 
you know, what I teach people is is a lot about um, this concept of relationship design. So giving, really empowering you to be able to create whatever type of relationship that you want outside of the socially constructed idea of what it means to be in a relationship or to be married or however you want to define it. So polyamory is the experience of being able to be in love with more than one person at, one, at, at a time. So whether that is having committed relationships with more than one person or maybe it's having a uh, one committed partnership and still dating or having, you know, allowing yourself to um, develop love with other people. But then we also have open relationships, which tend to be more of there's a couple that is a committed couple, and then they open it to have whether it's romantic experiences or dating experiences or just sexual experiences with other people, whether it involves their partner or it doesn't involve their partner. Um, then there's also swinging, which is, tends to be a couple who engages sexually with other couples. Um, and that's a whole nother, you know, uh, community or lifestyle. And then there's also uh, non-monogamy, which is really an umbrella term for whatever the hell you want it to be <laughs> outside of that socially conditioned idea of what it what it is to be in a relationship. But also uh, there's been a term that's been popular. Um, Dan Savage started this monogamish, yeah. which allows which is more similar to the construction of monogamy in that you have a committed relationship. But then there's I don't know, like blurry lines of, of what that means, or it can change, or you can, oh, let's invite somebody over today, or, you know, there's that they're not, you know, keeping themselves within the boundary of this relationship and just us kind of thing. So from your pers- personal experience also as a poly woman, and like, what are the challenges? It just seems like a lot of scheduling <laughs> and a lot yeah. of organization and... For sure. And first of all, I want to correct. I'm not, I don't identify as poly Mm -hmm. myself personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I would say that I'm more on the non-monogamous spectrum because I thoroughly enjoy and um, sharing love and feeling love and having these sensual experiences. Sometimes it's not sexual, but especially in this idea of monogamous relationship, we get into this, oh, you can't, we see this a lot. Oh, you can't flirt with her or, oh, you can't engage sexual energy with that other person because then you're cheating on me. But for me, I'm like, yeah, go flirt, go make out, go play. Like it's all good. And yet, and I have enjoyment out of that. Like I really do get this were you were you always like that or was no. this okay, so I'm like how did you cuz well there's a part of me that sees the freedom in mm-hmm. that way of being yeah you know Matt, my partner, he loves people, men mm-hmm. and women. So, like, he's not gay. No, I don't mean it like that. <laughs> like, he just loves all people. Yeah. He's a very flirty person with everybody he meets. And it was, it was like a big problem for me at first until I realized he doesn't want to go home to anyone else but me, mm-hmm. you know, and... So, but there's still like triggers for me because I have been cheated on in the past with like past monogamous relationships. And so I'm just wondering if you can touch a little bit on your journey of how did you get to this place of really, it seems just like total freedom of like, go do that. 
that. Like, it yeah. seems like it would be so freeing to be like that. And I'm so jealous. Uh, you know, <laughs> it is and it isn't. And I first want to preface this with, um, I don't believe that there's any one type of style of relationship that's more evolved than the other at all. It's how we show up in each of those relationships in our own authentically chosen relationship that makes it more evolved. Well, so, and I think it's not even necessarily you stick to one type usually, right? Like the way you are with different people can change. Oh my God, for so sure. So I can see how you're saying like, yeah, I wasn't always like this. And maybe yeah. you found someone that created you or had you be that way, caused you to be that way. Yeah, I would say the alchemy between me and another person and where they're at and the, and the the work that they've done on themselves and the work that I've done on myself and that is and that's why I don't uh, identify as poly because I've been in relationships that are open and I've been re- in relationships that were monogamous and I still sh- have a great time in all of them can you clarify for me what's the difference between polyamory and non-monogamy because it yeah like, what's the distinction between the two? So I would say that non-monogamy is more of an umbrella term for any of these, this whole spectrum of how we want to show up in a relationship. But what I've experienced is um, with my clients who identify as poly, it is an identity. It is their identity. This is who I am, and I, and this is how I do relationships. Whereas for me, I'm a lot more fluid in my sexuality. I'm more fluid in my relationships. So I just choose not to have that identity. Yeah. Yeah. Because it changes. Because you want the option. I want the option. Yeah. Yeah. And the alchemy between me and my partner. You know, say my my partner and my last partner, um, we explored all of this. We started open and we also dabbled into more, it shifted into more of a poly relationship because I had a lover that became a lot more deep. And then he had a partner that also became deep. And then to come back to your questions about, you know, a communication and triggers, I think in any type of relationship, we will get triggered and we will trigger our partner. And we don't do it with the intention to harm them and they don't do it with the intention to harm us but it happens and it's how do we navigate that when it happens same thing in these open relationships or these uh, non-monogamous relations every time i say that i like blah 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 <laughs> like, it's like, like tongue twisting uh, tongue twisting sounds so sexy <laughs> the visual oh my god okay okay um put that with the cast mask <laughs> Cat mask and tongue twisting. <laughs> but that isn't to say that jealousy doesn't happen. Because I hear that a lot from people. They're like, oh, I couldn't do any of that relationship because because I would get I'm such a jealous person or um or oh my God, if you get jealous, then you can't be poly or I heard that a lot. Like people would tell me, like, well, you can't do that. You get jealous. And I'm like, yeah, don't you? <laughs> like, I'm human. <laughs> and uh, so then it's de-shaming the concept of jealousy and helping people to understand that when we feel jealous, it can be utilized as a tool to help us understand what needs aren't being met or 
where, and it can also be used as um, almost to create a stronger bond with you and your partner because your partner might uh, feel jealous and then they'll start engaging in, in mate, what we call uh, mate guarding behaviors, which what? is like, which mate is like, guarding. you know, your arm around them. Hey, babe, you look so good. You know, like while they're talking to some hot person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which can all of a sudden make us feel like super hot because our, we're like, oh my God, my partner wants me. Like that's hot. You know, I mean, think about those times where, um, even on the more subtle level where jealousy came up, we all of a sudden want our partner more. Or when we feel that our partner's jealous, sometimes we're like, oh, they like really love me. They really, really want me, you know? So there's just, it's not all bad. Um, and it's not, I would say it's not a bad thing or a negative thing to feel jealousy. I think it's how we act or how we choose to act around it that can be disastrous. So teaching people how to communicate, like we were talking about earlier, and coming from a place of, um, I think, you know, doing your self-work, self-inquiring is asking yourself, like, what's coming up for me or what do I need? Uh, but one of the th- tools that I teach my clients is about uh, body intelligence and communicating from a space of embodiment. Are there more challenges in these open non-monogamy poly relationships as more um, challenges there than in a monogamous relationship you find working with couples? Your practice? Uh, you know, I would love to say that they both have difficulties, across whether you're in one or the other, and they tend to be the same. It just is more complex because there's more human hearts involved. But <laughs> it can also be very much another full-time job because you're yeah. involving more than one or <laughs> two human hearts. So it's it's so interesting because I'll have people, usually by the time people come to see me, shit's fit, hit the fan. Mm-hmm. You know, they've read um, Sex at Dawn or they've read Ethical Slut, which are very popular, awesome polyamory books. Um, and they're like, oh, well, evolution says that we're supposed to be in, you know, have multiple partners. And then they're like, let's open our relationship. And they open it. With like, no plan. With no plan and no understanding of what they're getting into. And they, but they also want to protect the relationship. And in doing so, they can end up harming both the relationship or they can end up harming a human heart who they invite in on this, you know, adventure with them. To go back to, you said you wanted to touch on the rules, boundaries and something. Like I would love for you to say more about that. Yeah. So when we go into a relationship, this is across any relationship. We all have rights to be in this relationship. And those are things like honesty, to have honesty. Um, to know everything that's going on in the relationship or um, what's coming up for the other person and what's coming up for you. Um, Consent. And you can't have consent unless you have full honesty, unless you have all the information. Um, And agency, which is the ability to make your own decisions for yourself, even if they don't agree with the other person's decisions. And when we can have... And when we have those three rights being respected. Um, We're empowering each other and we are understanding that we are, um, we have freedom to choose in that. 
So with that, boundaries are so crucial for the health of our relationships. And a boundary is an, is the point at which we are able to give and then no more. And that's very different between an edge and an edge is is something more of like a discomfort that comes up, like a fluttering. In, it could be a fluttering in the body. It can be a buzzing. It can be a, oh, my God, like, I don't know. This doesn't feel good. <laughs> but you're alive when it happens. Yeah. Like, you're actually feeling being alive. Yeah. 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 So it's that's really important to understand what's the difference between an edge and a boundary. There are times where, you know, I would have a partner go and see somebody and I know that they were going on a date and I know they'd be kissing and, and I'd be like, okay, so right now, actually that usually didn't bother me. It was <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I remember somebody he was developing deeper feelings for and seeing him kiss her for the first time. And I'd never seen them kiss. And, um, and then he got in my car and we were driving away and I was like, so I felt this like fluttering in my body and like, and, and I know it was, it's a, it's a, this is an edge for me. It's not a boundary. I'm not taking off open relationship off the table. It's just, it's, I feel it in my body viscerally. And I just want to vocalize that. And he just like took my hand and he was like, I love you so much, you know, and like, we just processed that and talked about it. But there's, and, and then I could feel my whole body just calm there because I felt validated and seen and, and honored in that, that I could feel that. And I wouldn't be uh, judged or shamed for having that feeling. So if that example would have been a boundary, would that have been like the relationship ending experience? Is that what you're... It could be, or it can be like, nope, you know what? That's actually not what I want. We went past my boundary and and I realized I don't want to create that. So it could be, and there are times where, you know, some things would come up and I'd be like... Okay, so that was just a boundary. Like I moving forward, I don't I don't want to have that anymore. And so and that's another thing. We always had space to make mistakes. We have a, and I believe that across any relationship there's space to make mistakes as long as we come to it and we uh, work through it. So what's the difference between, you said something about there's a difference between like a rule and a boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one thing that I see is people want to make rules designating, you know, we can only see this many this many hours or this person here or there and, and we can only do this, that, and this, and that. Um, and that, you know, inherently there's nothing wrong with that. However... Rules tend to be how we, the sort of like the, the, um, mm, boundaries we put on somebody else. So you can't do this or we can't do this. Whereas an agreement tends to be a, um, uh, something that we come to, uh, resonance with together through a negotiation um, where I bring forth what feels good for me and what's in alignment with me and you bring forth what's in alignment with you and together we co-create something. That's the word I love to use. We co-create something together that feels good for both of us. And I'm thinking Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) (laughs) Like a sexy contract? (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. that makes sense. That makes yeah. Sense. So I, and I always tell people, you know, when you create an agreement or if you want to use the word rule, however, given us since kindergarten, we've been given rules. And so a lot of times we've uh, mentally associated uh, punishment if we don't follow that rule. So we don't realize unconsciously how that's impacting us. Oh, I must follow the rule, you know. Yeah. And, and we love breaking the rules. And we love breaking the rules. And what I see time and time again is when we create a rule, sometimes we can become a prisoner to our own selves because we are hypervigilant of, is my partner maintaining this rule? Mm-hmm. Or am I maintaining this rule? Mm-hmm. And both of those can create a, like a headiness and not be able to be you know, present to what feels yeah. instead. I think it sounds like a really great way to control a relationship. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, you are spot on. And so I have couples who come in with like this whole long list of rules. And that would be me. <laughs> She'd have a clipboard. This. It'd look like Santa Claus's list. It would be a document that <laughs> Lindsay would help me create. <laughs> Rule cheese. number one. <laughs> This is what happens if you break the rule. (laughs) And there would be punishment. (laughs) So then that brings me back to what I was talking about earlier, you know, teaching about um, body intelligence and, uh, you know, speaking from a space of embodiment. If you think about those two words, if you think about the word rule, you know, how does your body react to it? Yeah. So mind is too. In fact, I I tune into my yoni. So earlier you asked me what I call my pussy. I actually call her yoni. (laughs) But sometimes I do use pussy. Um, So my yoni will contract, you know, and it'll contract and expand. Your body is actually in a constant state of contraction and expansion in, you know, relation to our environment or people or events. And then if you think about the word of agreement, I don't know. For me, my body sort of relaxes. There's there's a settling that occurs. It's very subtle, um, and uh, which I've developed because I've worked a lot on calming my nervous system, so I can listen to those things. Um, but there is even on the unconscious level when we think of agreement, it, it is a lot more calming. We don't have to put up our defenses. It's like, oh, we came to this together. So like what what would you say like in general are some of the like why why would somebody choose this lifestyle? Like what are some of the benefits of it for people? Is it just like awesome sex or like freedom? <laughs> or like, I don't know. Like She's what, like am I going to try this on? <laughs> no, I don't yeah. know. No. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I already am. <laughs> um yeah, like what what would be some of the benefits for people who are like listening and thinking like why would I even try something like that? Yeah, yeah. And and those that all comes down to, you know, I, I have people self-inquire. You know, what do they want out of their romantic life? What do they want in what what do they want to gain from a relationship? And that can help them better understand, uh, well, if I have this intention of a relationship, is opening it up or including multiple partners gonna fulfill that for me? Mm-hmm. So um, the concept of freedom, honestly, everybody's free. We just forget. So it doesn't really lend to one type of relationship or another. It's what, how we create that for ourselves. It's a mentality. It's not a, like a concrete thing. Um, but it's also, if you think about 
I think one of the benefits is we can tend to put so much pressure on one partner to be all the things for us. <laughs> you know, to meet all of our needs, you have to be hot, you have to be, you know, my my chef, you have to be uh, my chauffeur and my financial sugar daddy, and you have to be like all these things. And we just, I mean, I know for, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can be all those things, <laughs> but fuck if I'm going to, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> um, but even that, you know, say I am into a lot of, yo- I teach yoga. So I'm into more of this like holistic world. And then my partner may or may not be into that. So maybe having another partner who can explore those things with me and do acro yoga with me or go on yoga retreats with me or, you know, meditation in the morning. Whereas this partner um, embodies more of my kinky side and we can go to dungeons and he can tie me up and like... <laughs> <laughs> there is well, there is something really appealing. About, I I I get what you're saying because it's like, you know, man, like if you could like take the if the perfect man is like a combination of like things from all of our you know partly past mm-hmm. lovers, right? So it's like if if you could get to the p- point, or obviously some people do, where there's real freedom around this, having all of your needs met in different ways. There is something very appealing about mm-hmm. that. I do get that. It's and like you're dating a lot of people at yeah. once, but with yeah. honesty. Yeah, it <laughs> is. That actually speaks to a Date good with point. Honesty. <laughs> is that like to me? That sounds like fear of commitment. The way that it's being yeah. just explained. So it's like, is that like what could you say about that? Some people do go into it with a fear of commitment. Okay. <laughs> yes, they're more. They I've seen that a lot too, and that's why I keep always keep bringing people back to self inquiring, and you know, working with somebody like me as a therapist, I ask those questions that that are very like cutting, and like we'll we'll go to that um, because we also see attachment styles of people where some of them are avoidant and they don't like going deep. Um, and so by developing all these different types of relationships, they end up avoiding intimacy. So we do see that. Yeah. And, um, and that's serving them for some, uh, on some level, you know, and, and we also can't shame that because they have an idea or they have a different intention of what it means to be in a relationship than say I do, which is all about depth. You know, for me to be in a relationship is to go deep and the intimacy and, um, and in my personal experience, I developed deep intimacies with two men at the same time. And they were, they were both different men, um, both so incredible and conscious and just beautiful and different. And it was kind of like what you had said a moment ago. Well, if I could blend this man and this man <laughs> and put them together and make yeah. the ultimate man, yeah. it'd be great. <laughs> but even then, um, you know, it one they also had different lifestyles that I could play in and be fully. And the concept of alchemy, I could be the, this person or this part of me over here and this part of me over here was the same person, but just these parts of me came out. In those different, you keep using the word alchemy yeah. for me and our listeners. Can you explain that, please? Yes. Oh yeah, did I? <laughs> so alchemy is this concept of um, taking something to create and breaking it down to create something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we think of like the the um, 
medieval, I think it was the medieval uh, concept of alchemy of like turning something into gold, turning metals into gold, which we understand as impossible, <laughs> but it's more of a magical term of um, making these elements that something that doesn't seem to be able to turn into something that's glistening in gold. So if we think about me and all the things that I encompass blending with this person who's um, you know, everything that they've encompassed, these lifetimes and these experiences that they hold and bring those together, there is a, um, almost like you could use the word chemistry that happens and you create something from that that is unique to those two or three or four people <laughs> because they bring in all of themselves into that mix. Yeah. So I got two more questions for you. Um, so right now I think a lot of people feel like they need to keep this lifestyle a secret from mm. the rest of the world. Maybe some people do, maybe some people yeah. don't. Uh, what what was it initially like for you or how, do you are you do you, does your family know that you're non-monogamous and all your friends or is it something that you're totally open about or and, and do your clients like how many would you say are like really free in expressing the truth about it and how many feel like they have to keep it a secret? And what was oh that God. like for you personally? That's such a good question. Yeah, I talk about these things on uh, the internet. I talk about them in my blogs. I talk about them on uh, Instagram or on my podcast even. And I don't typically go in depth of my personal. I talk, I, no, I do. I talk about, and I was like, eh. um, I talk a lot about the lessons that I learn. Um, because I think those apply to all relationships. And and I love to emphasize all relationships, so I'm inclusive of people. So I'm also watchful that I'm not just poly pride or, you know, like monopro, right. you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and my family follows everything. It's not been <laughs> a, like, <laughs> they know I'm more sexually fluid as in, like, um, yeah, I would say sexually fluid. I'm not, I don't identify as bi per se, but I'm uh, just as interested in women as well. Was there like a moment where you kind of like, I guess, came out to them or was it just sort of a natural progression? Like, natural was there like, it was a natural progression. They yeah. were always like, okay, this happened, then this happened. Yeah. Okay. All right. Kat's doing this now. Okay. Yeah. So you've just, you were just always open with your family. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. 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 Me too. They've been super, yeah, we come home with something new. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so in general, what advice do you have for anybody who may be wanting to dip their toes into this polyamorous or non-monogamous, mm -hmm. monogamish lifestyle <laughs> we've been talking about? Yeah, I would say the first thing is to do your research. Read books. I think some of, one of my favorite books of all times is um, uh, More Than Two. And what I love about that book is it brings up all these potential experiences that you might have and they bring in questions to help you self-inquire for yourself mm -hmm. and that's the second thing I would tell people is do do journaling do self-inquire um, you know know your patterns know like why know how you show up in relationships know ways that you protect yourself know what you mean by commitment know what you mean by intimacy know what you mean by by fidelity um, because those will be your foundation to help you design what you want. Thank you, Dr. Kat Myers. Thank you so much for coming on today. This was illuminating, educating, and uh, meowtastic. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, so where, for people who are looking to connect to you, you have a fantastic podcast um, and an Instagram and a practice as well. So where, what are some of the best places for people to connect to you? And um, I know you have some courses coming up and, and different retreats and things that you do. So share some of that with us. So my podcast is Eat, Play, Sex podcast. My three favorite things besides bunnies and vegan ice cream. <laughs> and then, uh, but people can find me on sexloveyoga.com. Um, they can also do Instagram and Facebook, same name, Sex Love Yoga. It's all one word. YouTube, all the places. I do retreats internationally for couples and for women um, who want to empower themselves sexually or in their relationships. Um, I teach yoga, partner yoga workshops and retreats and all the things. And I've got some um, online courses coming out next year in 2019, um, I should say, that incorporate the yoga science um, to help people to calm their bodies, to tune in so that they can better connect within themselves and others in sex and pleasure and all the things. So I invite you to settle back into your chair and just first tune into the body and experience yourself in this exact moment without trying to change anything or judge anything about your bodily experience. Feeling for places of whether it's buzzing or tension, holding, maybe expansiveness, lightness, heaviness. Feel how your breath moves through your body. Notice the depth of the breath. Notice the pace. Again, without changing anything at all. Now I invite you to bring your awareness to travel down the front of your body and rest into your abdomen. Notice here whether your abdomen is held tight and clenching, relaxed. Notice how if the breath drops down into the abdomen or if it ends just above it. Exhale all the stagnant air out of the body as you draw the navel inward. And as you inhale, I want you to think about bringing that breath down into the belly and relaxing the muscles, pressing them out so that your belly bowls out. Notice how your body reacts. As you exhale, draw the navel back in. Contracting the abdominals and releasing every last drop. Again, as you inhale, press the belly out. Feel it bowl out. And exhale to draw it back in. And simply notice how the body reacts. 
and then return to a natural breath. And allow your attention to drop down into your pelvic floor. And notice what you experience here. Feel for whether there's tension or clenching or holding tight or whether the muscles are relaxed, open. Take another deep breath here. And this time as you exhale, relax the pelvic floor and relax your ass and notice how your body reacts. another deep breath and as you exhale relax the pelvic floor feel the body sink back deeper rooted open or however else your body responds Begin to take a deeper breath. Begin to feel into your fingertips. And whenever you're ready, allow your eyelids to flutter back open, bringing back the image of the room. So for a lot of us, we walk around with clenching our pelvic floor or clenching our stomach. Um, those two areas we can often tune into as uh, tends to be our first signs that something doesn't feel right Um, or say we have trouble with letting go of control we tend to clench there in either of those two places and ladies that impacts our orgasms I'm telling you that right now but when we can also just throughout our day Think about practicing relaxing, relaxing, relaxing that root, relaxing the belly. We can ground ourselves instantly and drop back into the present. And then from that space, we can make our decisions a lot easier because we quiet that, we calm, we settle in. Okay, that actually doesn't feel good for me when I tune in. Or, okay, that does actually feel really good because I feel my body go, I want it, I want it, I want it. Thank you, Clitorati, so much for joining us as we take this monogamish, polyamorous conversation mainstream. Did this make you want to open up your relationship or get down with another couple you know? We want to hear your thoughts on our Instagram, at Clit Talk Show. And if you have people in your life who would love this episode, hook them up right now by going to your podcast app and clicking share. Lastly, but not leastly, if you haven't already, please click subscribe. We love you so much, Clitorati, and we will see you next Tuesday. All right, Dr. Kat Myers, are you ready to join us in how we end every episode with our pussy chant? Yes, absolutely. We'll just start doing it and you'll catch on real quickly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> are you pussy. ready? Pussy. 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 We just say pussy however we want. Yeah. Do I say it too? Yeah, you oh, can say pussy. It. Pussy. <laughs> chant pussy. 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 Right. So Kat has a request for a song about pussy willows. What are pussy willows? It's a kind of flower. Oh, okay. All right.
Pussy willows, pussy willows in your hair. They're blowing through the wind, and my pussy, oh, it cares. <laughs> nice. There we go. Beautiful. All right. After that meditation, we were just in that last. I know.